Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode of Money Diaries is brought to you by Intuit. Proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. It doesn't matter if you're self-employed, thinking about starting a side hustle, or just trying to get the most out of your money. Intuit has tools that help you achieve prosperity, whatever that means for you. Easy-to-navigate software like QuickBooks, TurboTax, and Mint help you take control of your finances so you can prosper. Learn more at Intuit.com. Intuit. Powering prosperity. This is Money Diaries, the podcast. I'm Lindsay Stanberry. And I'm Paco DeLeon. And this is the podcast where people call in to talk about the weird issues they're having with money. Today, we are talking about these high-freaking earners and these high-freaking spenders. Take me out to sushi, you guys. Take me out to lunch. Paco, it's our last episode. Woo-woo! So today, we're talking to a woman we're calling Maria. Um, She's 28, and she's married and lives in Virginia and is making, with her husband, like, over $200,000. Cha-ching. Which is really impressive. She's a little scared about the stock market and investing and that whole universe of weirdness. So we are going to do our best to to talk her through it. It's nerdy. Super nerdy. And it's scary. They, they make it scary so that you freak out and then you pay them high fees. That's what it is. So for this episode, everybody needs their notebook. You might want to get one of those clicky pens that has the different colors. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you could color code this. It's a freaking money party. Because we're all going to get rich, right? Yeah. Let's get her on the line. Hey, Maria, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. Great to be here. We wanted to kick things off with you telling us a little bit about your background. Okay. Um, I am a communications professional. Um, I live in the D.C. area. I'm 28 years old. And you're married, right? Yes. How much is your joint salary? I make $113,000, and together our salary is about $210,000. Being comfortable probably is sort of a new feeling because buying a house, you know what, we went from paying 1900 a month for rent that we shared to paying like $3,000 plus, you know, another 500 in utilities. So it kind of doubled our housing costs, and so that's sort of rattling and then resettling and figuring out your spending habits differently from there. And can you talk a little bit about your background? Did you grow up thinking about money? I definitely uh, grew up learning to be frugal. My uh, parents had uh, twins when I was eight years old, um, and that really uh, hit their budget pretty hard because I think they were planning on one kid. And um, they had a bunch of medical issues when they were younger. Um, TRICARE for military families is really great, but um, it did kind of put a damper on their their money situation. So they followed uh, Dave Ramsey's yeah um thing with the envelopes right where you take out the cash that you have for your groceries they actually and, did the physical envelopes right the physical envelopes wow. with physical cash and Amazing. it was like um you know this is groceries this is dining out and so as a kid that made a really big impression because when you see that there are five dollars in the grocery envelope you don't whine about wanting 
know, granola bars or candy because it's like, sure. well, yeah, we have to get milk for the babies. Right. right. Very transparent. Like I remember like being six and seven and going to McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal was like the treat of the week because it meant we were like going somewhere other than home. Um, and so that's not like growing up poor. We were definitely never in need in any way. Just like this is the entertainment for the week is your five dollar food in a box. Are, do you do you practice the envelope method today? No, fortunately, um, that was just a short time for my family, um, and the they kind of got out of their hole of debt, et cetera. Um, and I haven't had that problem since probably college um, when I had to work full time, you know, and pay bills, and I was just breaking even. So, how did you go from breaking even in college to where you are now? It's really impressive. I uh, got a head start on college by taking a lot of AP courses in high school. So I skipped out on a year of undergrad, finished my undergrad in three years with no debt, and I did that by working full-time throughout my college career. Dang. I used to clean houses in college. Like, I spent about 20 hours a week cleaning houses independently for cash. You know, traded every spare hour for, well, I could pick up more night hours at the call center, or I could... Um, clean so-and-so's house because I know she's free Tuesday afternoons. And so maybe that was probably the turning point for me. You know, when you're a teenager, you're a kid, you live at home and you don't really see how other people live. Um, but once I was in these people's homes, sometimes they were just laying in bed like watching TV. They just didn't feel like cleaning their house. And I was like, that's such a cool thing is like, I would rather do this or, you know, I'm going to go to my son's baseball game or whatever instead of, you know, cleaning, which has to be done, but I can pay you to do it and then I can go spend my time elsewhere very different than how I was raised. Do you think that was a motivator for you in trying to find a career that would pay well? It absolutely was. And I went to college originally for journalism um, and then realized pretty quickly that journalists don't really make any money. Um, And I was like, I definitely want to write because I love writing, um, but I don't think I want to get paid nothing and I don't want to have to fight to do my job. And so the opposite side is public affairs or public relations. And that pays pretty well. And I still get to do lots of writing. So Okay, so you left journalism for the dark side. Sorry, that's a joke. And then what? Then I was offered a graduate student assistantship for my master's degree. And uh, so that paid for the tuition. And then I worked full time on top of the assistantship to uh, pay for bills, etc. So by the time I was 23, I had a master's degree and no debt. And I've negotiated my salary progressively as I've gone through my career. Was there like a specific thing that happened or like, did you ever notice like a specific feeling that you had when you were were comfortable? For me, when we stopped being poor, I what like the signal to me was when I was at the grocery store and it was like, oh, you could buy that butter all the time and it's fine. Did you have something like that? I definitely felt that uh, within the first couple of months after I renegotiated my salary and it jumped about 30 percent. Um, and that was kind of a you know buzz to the head. That jump was like you know, I can eat out or like go to a bar with friends and like buy someone a drink. That's magical. (laughs) I'm curious to know, how did you get your salary? How did you renegotiate a 30% increase? As a federal employee, I had a security clearance. um, And it's actually kind of a niche market to be a communicator with a security clearance. I was in a job and wasn't super duper happy as a government contractor. And I had received another offer for maybe like a 10% raise. And I was going to like the work more. There was more uh, room for growth. Um, and so I talked it over with my husband and my dad, or both my kind of career coaches whenever I want to bounce ideas. And they were both like, all right, well, it sounds like you really want this other job. Um, my husband was like, don't um, go in there and quit without a counteroffer number. And I was like, what? That's crazy talk. And um, I was like, 
I want this other job. I want to go do this other thing. And he said, what number would make you stay? And I was like, $25,000 more. That would make me stay. And he was like, well, then make that your number. I called him and uh, he lived on the West Coast and I worked here in D.C. And I called the owner and I said, you know, I've been offered this other job. Um, and he was like, well, what would it take to make you stay? Because we don't want the seat to sit empty and it's going to be really hard to find someone with your credentials. And I threw out a number and he was like, well, that, that would make you one of the highest paid people on this contract. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And over a 30 minute conversation, he was like, OK, sure. And so he gave me the money and I hung up and I was like, can you believe what just happened? <laughs> You're a badass. <laughs> I was just at home. Yeah, that is so impressive. Thank you. That's awesome. So what questions do you have for us today? I'm finally at a, a place where I feel comfortable talking about investing and looking into additional money options for myself. Coming up next, how do people do stock market? How do people do stock market? <laughs> how do people do stock market? That's after the break. I have a friend getting married this year, and I found myself overspending on her wedding from the minute she asked me to be a bridesmaid. I spent $75 on our celebratory ramen lunch. Let's not even get started on the cost of the bridesmaid's dress, the bachelorette party, the bridal shower, the hotel, the list goes on. Let's take a moment to talk about your financial goals. It doesn't matter if you run your own business or just trying to get the most out of your money. Intuit's products help you effortlessly manage your finances so you can plan for your future. Learn more at Intuit.com. Intuit, powering prosperity. So tell us about how you see financial growth. What does that mean to you? Uh, financial growth to me is like, you know, you just progressively get better, like your net worth line should go upwards, right? So I don't think I've really thought specifically or had any you know investment goals. Um, I know that putting money away on the regular so that it can earn interest, like your 401k, et cetera. I know we could definitely do more and that there are other opportunities. I just don't know a whole lot about them. The thing I've always been curious about, and, you know, we've talked about it as a couple, too, is like, how do people do stock market? How, what is stock market? Is it a thing that normal people can make money on? Oh, wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. Oh, well, I always imagined, you know, stock market, like I wasn't born with money. Right. That'll just be a thing I never do. Right. Totally. And I'm like, well, I'm not, you know, some lady with $50,000 to just give to another person to invest for me. Yeah, so I will tell you how to do stock market. <laughs> so there's a couple of options to do stock market. You're already doing stock market with your 401k. So I feel like people always forget that. Yeah. The difference between a 401k and what we'll call a brokerage account, which I think is how people think of the stock market, um, is just the laws surrounding how those accounts work. So with a 401k or any other retirement account, that's what we call a forced savings plan because you will be penalized for taking money out before retirement age. So they're forcing you to save it for your cute, adorable old self. With a brokerage account, uh, those are the types of accounts where you can you can buy stocks or mutual funds or bonds or ETFs, and you can buy them and sell them and then take the cash out right away. And there's no penalty for doing that. But let's say you buy a stock at a dollar and you sell it at $100, you will have to pay tax on that gain. Okay. And then there's like the high yield money market account, which isn't investing in the stock market, right? When you buy into a high yield money market account, that is essentially cash. That is essentially riskless. Um, it's, a, it's a savings account that's going to offer you a higher interest rate than you could get at your normal bank. Right. At a regular bank with a regular savings account, the interest is so low. It's like 0.002%. It's so insane. 
it's freaking insulting. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's really, it's actually insulting. Yeah, the interest really rate because yeah, that they're because they're totally using your money. You know, that's what yes. banks do, and they're not even giving you a good rate. But if you look, so bankrate.com is a really good resource for looking at who's paying the highest interest rates right yeah, now. A little googling goes a long way. A little go exactly, and I think Ally has been at the top. Yeah. In recent years. Yeah. Uh, according to my research. Yeah, I, mine's 2% right now. Lindsay's balling over yeah, here. Yeah, and I feel rich every time I see <laughs> that. Uh, I've got the same problem about how do you do the stock market. I mean, I know how, but I'm, I'm with you, Maria. It's kind of scary. So the first step to doing stock market is making sure that we have enough cash on hand for emergency funds. Yeah, so, don't, don't dip into that emergency fund. How much do you have in savings? About 20000 Sounds like you're there. You're at three to six months. Again, three to six months is the general rule. If if nine months helps you sleep better, you could do nine months. And then the second thing you want to do is you want to care about retirement. How much do you have in retirement? Twenty five to thirty thousand. Sounds like you guys are caring a lot about retirement, so I'm happy about that. Um, the next way that you can participate in the stock market is you can open up like a brokerage account. There's a lot of different places you could do this at. There's classics. The classic players are like Fidelity, Vanguard. Vanguard. Yeah. And we have some new guys on the scene, new gals on the scene. I like Betterment, uh, betterment.com. It's very millennial forward, easy to use. Uh, Wealthfront is another great one. Elvest is great. Elvest is great. And there's one, oh, Aspiration is another player. Then what you do is you figure out, hey, how much of extra cash do I have to throw into the market? Okay, great. We have an extra $10,000 sitting in our emergency fund, more than we need. We're going we're gonna to do stock market. All right. So we open up an account and we can put all of the cash into the account right away. You don't necessarily need to buy into the stock market right away. Um, you can buy slowly over time. This is what nerds call. I'm so obsessed with this, Paco. Dollar cost averaging. Bum, 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 bum. It sounds so difficult. It is so simple. Yeah, it's very simple. Dollar cost averaging. It's kind of like, you know, there's no, there's never a perfect analogy in finance in the finance world but it's kind of like if you had a bunch of money and you're like you won the lottery and you're like i guess i'll buy all the toilet paper today why would you do that you just buy it over time and the reason why you want to do that is because you don't want to buy everything when everything is too high priced you want to buy you want to you're, you want to average your cost basically there goes the the averaging and dollar cost averaging there it is there it is okay so investing 101 paco walk us through it disclaimer this is not investment advice. This is merely uh, me sharing the knowledge that I have accumulated over years of being in the industry. And also, I have a little thing called a finance degree. I have to protect myself. So the way think about investing as a, a flavor of the dish. And the flavor of the dish that we are caring about is this thing called risk, right? Because investing is all about... Uh, putting money into the market and hoping that the economy does well and the companies that you're invested in does well. And uh, you're taking a risk and you should be rewarded for that risk. Does that make sense? No? Lindsay's taking no, a I, No, it does make sense. I just, uh, this is the, the part where I'm always like, this is so crazy. All right. So, um, okay. So the way that you choose the amount of risk is based on when you need the money. So you do have to do that like, Let's pause and think about what the hell this 10 grand is for. Is it going to be for a baby that you're planning to have in the, in five years? Is it for a new business you're starting to, you want to start in 11 years? Is it for a college fund possibly in 25 years? I really love the idea 
of investing with a goal in mind. I think that it makes it seem a lot more manageable. The rule of thumb is like anything you need between like tomorrow and a few years, you probably shouldn't invest it. When I worked at a financial planning firm and we had clients come in, we're like, we're not moving forward until you tell us what this is for. Because if we lose it all and, and they were like, well, we needed that in 12 days. You're like, bro, come on. You didn't tell us that. Right. And luckily, all of these platforms like Vanguard or Alvest can help you manage your brokerage accounts based on the amount of risk you want to take. And they're going to ask you, like, how much risk can you tolerate? It's it's called a risk tolerance questionnaire. We're not very creative in the finance industry, but they want to know, like, you know, can you can you put it all on black and let it ride? Or are you more like a, I'm going to go to the penny slots kind of a person? So they're going to balance out what you can tolerate in terms of risk with when you need the money. These should all be long term goals. That's why you need that emergency fund. Exactly. And is it true that you should uh, be prepared to lose it all, depending on the risk that you choose? Oh, man. Um, well, listen, if you go in and you dump everything into like a, a crazy, risky investment, like, you know, some kind of technology that's brand new that we've never heard of, and you put it all into one stock, into one company, there's a chance that you can risk it. So the name of the game is diversification. Diversification is basically not putting all your eggs in one basket. Um, it's kind of like the only thing that everyone in the finance industry has agreed on that works. So, yes, it's possible to lose it all. But according to the data and the fact that, like, the economy is still going and everything's still humming along, you're you're good to go. And the name of the game is also return over time. Yeah. Not to think that you're going to make all the money tomorrow. Right. And you already have a diverse portfolio. If you think about it, Maria, you've got your retirement accounts. You've got the home that you own. You've got an emergency fund. So adding an investment brokerage account on top of it is just further diversifying your money. Boom. I will say that you need to be careful and not watch it too carefully. You right. have to remember that this is a long-term goal. And if you're watching every dime, you know, disappear or come back, it can be um, a little crazy making. That makes sense. So how do you feel now that we've just given you a <laughs> dense sandwich of information? Well, it's helpful because to hear you say it like it's just a casual thing. Yeah, I could I could put $5,000 or $10,000 on a stock website and play around with it. You could even do $20 a month. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't realize that it was... Uh, so easy to break into or just to try, like you say, $20 a month. We'll look into that together. Maybe try a couple different platforms and be like, I like this one the best. There it is. Thanks so much for calling in today. It was great chatting with you. This was really fun. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. So I'm really impressed with Maria. Yeah, she is really incredible. She actually has her, her financial ducks in a row. You know, she's got that emergency fund, the good salary. They own their home. Totally. They're investing in their retirement funds. Yep. So, like, it's time. Yeah, totally. It's all starting to compound on itself, and the uh, foundation of the pyramid is set. So it's time to, uh, you know, get crazy. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to read an interview with today's anonymous caller, head on over to refinery29.com slash money diary. And if you like this episode, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. While you're at it, rate us and leave a comment. Let us know what you think. This episode was produced by Jessica Chow and Jay Brunson. Our editor is Alvaro Ceballos. Our head of post-production was Stacey Scripter. And we recorded at Argo Studios with Paul Rust. I'm your co-host, Paco DeLeon. 
And I'm your co-host, Lindsay Stanberry, Work and Money Director at Refinery29. And I spend $90 a week on private Pilates sessions, and it's worth every single penny. Ooh, ooh. Nailed it! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.